Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. I think this morning we'll begin in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. Thank you for your excitement. Matthew 24. Let's try this again. Uh, I don't know what's happening here. Matthew 24. Uh, That sounds like my church. I'm like, am I in the wrong place here this morning? Matthew 24. Um, We're going to be talking this morning about this subject. Um, We're going to talk about, uh, I'll just call this the ministry of reconciliation. And how God has given to us, the church, us believers, the ministry of reconciliation. And just talk a little bit about what that means, what that, what that means. But I want us to begin in Matthew chapter 24 and uh, verse 3. You got it? Jesus said, this is Jesus, and, and it says, As He sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world, or literally the age? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So the very first thing he said was, Watch out for deception. Watch out for deception. Years ago when we'd preached these verses... We uh, would read these verses and we would kind of limit this a little bit. We would think deception means spiritual deception, religious deception, being deceived about the truth of the Bible. Well, it does mean that. But now we are in a place in our world where people are deceived about simple things. Just simple things that have been established for thousands of years that, since the beginning, yes, of time. And now they're deceived about it, and they're upset with us because we're not deceived about it. Deceived people want others to be deceived. Amen. Amen. Paul said that to the Romans, he said that uh, one thing that would happen was people would profess themselves to be wise, and in doing so, they'd become fools. You know? And uh, there are people in society who look down on people like you and people like me and think, you know, we're just country bunkins, hicks that aren't enlightened. But they become so wise, so to speak, they've become fools. And they're deceived about many things. And uh, Paul even went on to say, he said, there would something come, something that's called strong delusion. See, I've gotten to where today, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't just say that people are deceived, they are deceived, but I say, I say they're delusional. It's delusional. Uh, and, and, you know, we know this was coming because the Bible warned us it was coming, but we, I don't think we saw the level that was going to hit us pretty quickly. This all hit pretty quickly. And I don't think we saw the level of it. Paul warned us, he said, that in the last days that there would be a falling away, a, depart, a departure from the Bible. That's what he's talking about. And, I, you know, and yes, he's talking about believers, but I also believe that could be applied to society. See, falling away from the, you know, even though they may not be saved, they still live by principles in the Bible. And uh, falling away from that, and uh, Paul said that that would happen. And uh, he said that there would be, the King James says, seducing spirits and doctrines of uh, devils. But let's say that more modern, uh, there would be deceiving spirits and, and teachings of demons. Demons teaching the people. Uh, now, that doesn't mean demons themselves teaching 
but they're the ones that's giving the revelation to the people who are teaching. And what I, I, I start out with this scripture. It kind of seems odd from what I'm, going to, what I'm going to talk about today. But I think we need to understand where we're at and how valuable right now, and it's always been valuable, don't misunderstand me, but how valuable right now the ministry of reconciliation is. Because Jesus is about to come back. Well, how do you know, Pastor, he's about to come back? Well, uh, 51 years ago, in a vision, he told me he was coming back soon. 51 years ago. That was in 1972 that <clears throat> Jesus said to me, you can believe this or not, it doesn't really matter to me, uh, but I know what I saw. And I know at the time, even after I saw it, I didn't serve the Lord. Talk about deception. I mean, I was a hippie. I kept doing, I did drugs and everything else. And yet, yet I had a supernatural encounter with the Lord at 72. Now, I wasn't doing drugs in 72. I didn't start doing drugs till the first, my, did my first drug in 1973. All right, so, but, but, yet the, but yet the Lord told me I'm coming back soon through a supernatural vision. And, of course, I had no idea at the time I was going to, you know, be preaching the gospel in the end times. But he knew, I mean, he knows. He knows all things, right? So he knew that. I didn't know that. I was just a young kid, you know, 72. Young, young, not real young, but young. I was 12. And, uh, but he knew that, amen? But right now, we need to get as many people in as we can get in. Jude said we can pull them out of the fire. Amen. And so we're, we're at this place. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this ministry of reconciliation and what our message is to the world. You know, this is going to be simple. I'm not going to preach long today. We've got some things to pray about. But uh, even if it's short, it's still important. Right? Uh, so we have to understand that this is a time we're living in, people are deceived. And, 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 and what we need to watch, now listen, what we need to watch is we don't look down our noses at them because they're deceived because it's, it's like, I think it might be in Titus where Paul said, we, were, we all were once deceived. Isn't that right? God had to get a hold of us. <clears throat> I remember 1984, <clears throat> A guy hit me up for uh, some money on the streets of Fort Worth. And, uh, you know, he looked rough. He, you know, he had long, greasy hair. And he gave me this story about he just got out of jail. Well, I believe that. And he needed something to eat, you know, and he needed some money. And he said, I'll sell you my comb. Don't you laugh, because in 1984 I had something to comb. Plenty. Plenty. But I looked at his hair, and I thought, I don't want his comb. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you $20 if you let me pray for you. Well, my goodness, you know. I'd get in prayer lines all day long for 20 bucks. And uh, he did, and I, I prayed with him to lead him to Jesus Christ, and then invited him. We were having a, there was a meeting going on. I invited him to the meeting, and, and he did come. He did come to the meeting. But later on, he took that $20 and he bought a bottle. And no, he didn't buy a bottle of Pepsi. And then they, he had some friends and they were passing around that bottle. And I think they were passing around a joint. Anybody know what a joint is? All right. And so when I saw that, I got righteously indignant. And I thought, look at those idiots. And when I said that, I heard the voice of the Lord in my spirit. The Lord said, let's go back a little, a few years and let's see where you were at. I thought, oh my gosh, that was me. Right? So I realized right then that that's, that's a Pharisee spirit. I was being a nice little Pharisee that day. And we've all been Pharisees before. Some of you have been Sadducees. So sad, you see. 
You know, Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, didn't believe in angels. That's why they were sad. So I realized that, you know, I've gotten a little too big for my britches here and forgot that I used to be deceived. That I was in deception. And thank God somebody shared the gospel with me. Hallelujah. I had more than one person share the gospel. Of course, my mom was born again, spirit-filled. So I lived with her, and don't you think she didn't preach? Oh, yeah, she preached all the time. But uh, sometimes that's family. That's a little different. And, but I had outsiders. God's so, you know, God is so wise and so all-knowing. He knows your future. And uh, I, I landed this job when I was 20 years old. And I'm not saved, of course. I'm, I'm a drug user. I'm all that. Yeah, all that goes with that. That's what I am. But I get this job. I land this job. And it's a smaller company. And there's a one, two, three, four, five, I, six. They had six employees. I would have made seven. Uh, and one of, those, one of them, he was gone soon after I came. So the, all the employees but me were Christians. Every one of them. I didn't think it was awesome. <laughs> You're right, Jackie, it was awesome. But at the time, but there was one guy, that I, and he's the guy I work with the most, and uh, uh, he had a real impact on my life. Now, he didn't preach at me every day. He, you know, he, he, he made sure I knew the gospel, but, but he just treated me just like I was one of the guys. And he was kind to me, and he was nice to me, and he made a big impact on my life. Uh, and I, God knew what he was doing, right? He put me right here. Well, I got, they're all believers, you know, except me. And the guy hired me. I didn't know anything about the job. It was just an ad in the paper. I answered because I needed a job, you know. Uh, thank God I had enough sense to, to know I needed a job. And so the guy hired me. And after I'd worked there a little while, he, he talked to me. When I said, you don't want to know why I hired you? Well, I realized it wasn't because I knew all about the job. I didn't know anything about the job. He said, I hired you. Listen, young people. He said, I hired you because you're the only one that came in for the interview dressed up. He said, that's why I hired you. Now, dressed up wasn't like this. I didn't have a suit. But I had some, you know, I had some, some nice pants on and, and a dress shirt and went in for the interview. And the guy hired me on the spot. What did I know about the job? Nothing. Not a thing, pardon my English, but I didn't know anything about the job. But, but God put me there, I'm convinced, because he put me around a bunch of believers. I worked with them 20, you know, uh, all day long, you know. And, and uh, now, you know, I, I, wasn't ready to get, I wasn't ready to give my life to the Lord. I was still going to party. Uh, they could say what they want to say, but it's still you can't say it wasn't seed sown in your life. I had some seed planted in there, Right? See, I think sometimes we're so concerned, we just, we lead them to the Lord on the spot. Well, that's great, but Jesus said, some sow and some reap. Hey, listen now, it just seeds, right? When I got saved, man, we go door to door. We'd knock on doors and persecute everybody. Nothing wrong with that. What, anything wrong with that? But as I got a little bit older, I, I, I found out that, uh, you know, you, you plant seeds. Maybe it's harvest time, maybe it's not, but you don't get discouraged because not everybody gets saved. You know you planted something in there. And God may send some, see, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God gives the increase. Hallelujah. And how many know it, we, we have this, we, we know the truth, right? Now that doesn't mean we have a seminar with everybody we run into. But you, you know when doors are open, don't you? You know, it's just like the other, yesterday I was out for a walk and I stopped and talked to a guy and he, he started telling me about his body. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. Well, you know what? That was a seed. That was a seed. And he thanked me for it. Next time I see him, I'm going to put another seed in there. Yeah. Amen. And just see if he's ready for harvest yet, you know. Listen to me. I want to talk to you a little bit today about, you know, what our message is to the world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
Let's go over to uh, Luke chapter uh, 2. Luke chapter 2. And like I said, not going to preach long this morning, but I just felt, you know, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I just want what the Lord wants for us every day, every service. You know. And so there, a lot of times I preach messages, it's not what I want to preach. I got nothing against it, but I have something else in mind. But as I pray, it's kind of like, you know, when you, when you pray and, you, and God drops it in your heart, nothing else will work. It's like scriptures that you knew, you knew real well, they close up on you. A friend of mine used to say it this way. He said, I know when it's, I know when it's God because it smiles back at me. If it's frowning, it's like, don't preach that today. God knows what people need, doesn't he? And I'll say things in a sermon. I'll think, why in the world did I say that? But, you know, somebody needed to hear it. Amen. I've preached and we've been all over the world before. France, Germany. Finally got back in the U.S. But God knows what he's doing. Amen. So look at this in uh, Luke chapter 2. I, I think sometimes we have to make sure our attitude's adjusted, that we don't just we're, just, we're not condemning, we're not mean, but we're nice people. Are you listening to me this morning? People can get, you know, because we know the truth and we know how deceived people are. Well, they're deceived. They're deceived. Now, certainly there are people out there, they don't want the truth. They've rejected it. All right? That's a different story. But there's people that are just deceived. They're just deceived. And they don't know any better. But once they hear the truth, you know, in the right way, uh, it'll, it'll spark something in them. Amen. Look at this in Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> and uh, I'll tell you what, let's just begin at verse 10. It says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Well, Pastor, it's not Christmas. What are you doing reading that scripture? This, this scripture wasn't written just for Christmas. There's a lot of truth in here. So he said, I'm bringing you good joy. How many know, how many know good tidings of great joy? Hallelujah. The gospel's brought great joy into my life. Am I the only one? I mean, gospel's brought great joy to my life. Hallelujah. I had no idea what I was getting into when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I just thought I was going to make the rapture now. I just thought I wasn't going to hell now. I realized what all I was going to get. I realized all the blessings that were going to come my way. I realized the joy and gladness I was going to have. I did not know it. I didn't realize that. But I remember in my town, we, had, we lived, come from a little town. Pastor Chuck came from a littler town. And Pastor Jerry came from a littler, littler town. And so... Uh, you know, our, our little town, we had one guy, and I remember he was a Christian. He's a believer, and uh, he, uh, his name was Tom Lecty. Remember him? And Tom was, uh, <clears throat> he was a big guy, but he was muscular at the time. Of course, he was younger then. I think he's in heaven now. But he was a muscular, good-looking man. I mean, he, he was the kind women look at and say, oh, if, if he's not married and I'm not married, I claim him. Because he always was tanned and blonde-headed, you know, good-looking, chiseled, cut, lean. Did you ever know Tom? Okay. Well, anyway, he's a little, old, he's a little older than you. Um, but he got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was so full of joy. He went, I mean, he didn't come up to you. Would you like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and be just like me? It's like, no, thank you. I'm sad enough. <laughs> no, he's like, hey, Jesus is wonderful. The greatest thing will ever happen to you. And he was like, man, stay away from this guy because he's dangerous. <laughs> he will get you saved if you don't stay away from him. And if you don't want to be saved, don't go near him. And I didn't want to be saved. You understand? So I avoid Tom, Tom Lecty. But after I got saved, I realized what a powerful witness he was. Amen. Not just because he ran his mouth all the time, but because he lived it. He had joy about him. Believers ought to have joy about them. Hallelujah. 
He just looked like he had something you might want someday if, when you ready to turn life around. Amen. And he had an impression on me. Amen. And um, so great, everybody say great joy. He said, verse 11, for unto you is born in the, in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a, hev- a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, here's what they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, listen to this, good will towards men. Now, a lot of times, and there's some translations translated this way, and they get it wrong. They get it wrong with the Greek. A lot of times people read this, and it's like they read uh, peace, goodwill among men. It didn't say that. I said it didn't say that. Did you know when Jesus came, He didn't bring goodwill among men? Matter of fact, He said that... In some cases, there would be a sword. Households, households would be divided because of the gospel's sake. And there's been wars ever since he came. Right? He didn't bring goodwill among Now, he's going to. I said he's going to. But he didn't. Then he, The message was good, goodwill toward men. God is not angry anymore. Jesus is paying the price. And as far as God's concerned, He's got goodwill towards you. Hallelujah. Now, now I'm going to say some things, and you may not like it, but those those people doing some of the damnable things they're doing, did you know God's got goodwill toward them? I didn't say He proved what they were doing. He doesn't. But He has goodwill towards them. He He wants them. Amen. To receive. You see, what's, what's, the, what's the angel saying? The angel's saying, here's literally what he's saying. The penalty has been paid. or we, He's been sent. The penalty has been paid for your sin. The problem is, if you don't accept the payment, you'll have to pay the penalty yourself. You have to accept it. I said you have to accept it. Amen. Now, now listen, see, now how do you accept it? Well, well one thing is, is Jesus said, he, he told his disciples, he said, now you go to the nations and you, repent, you, you, you preach, listen to this, repentance and remission of sins. We receive God's goodwill by our repentance. By our repentance. But the good thing is, is God, you know, people, people like God, God, I've seen signs like God hates this person and God hates that person. God doesn't hate anybody. He doesn't approve of everything they do. You parents ought to know that. Your kids growing up, you didn't approve of everything they did. Man, it's like some things I did, my parents hated. At least my mom did. Dad always said, you know, boys will sow wild oats. I tried to buy cigarettes when I was 11 or 12 one time at the store. And, uh, you know, in those days, the Marlboro man was cool. Only thing is, he died of cancer. But, um, you know, I went into the grocery store, little store. There used to be a a community called Rumbletown. Any bikers know what I'm talking about? I mean, you had to, yeah, Rumbletown. Well, it's not really there anymore. I mean, the the land's still there, but there's nothing else there much, houses. But there was a store in Rumbletown, so I went into Rumbletown store to buy some cigarettes, you know. And uh, that lady, God bless her to this day, she was a good woman. She goes, who's these for? I said, oh, they're for my dad. She goes, is he here? Oh, uh, uh, is he out in the car? Uh, well, uh, no, he sent me to get him. Well, you have him come and get him. And then she called my mom. Well, I got home. <laughs> Mom was waiting. You tried to buy cigarettes at the Rumbletown store. That woman called me. And she got dad, told dad, and dad said, well, that's about, I won't tell you what he said. 
It's not very sanctified. He, he didn't have as big an issue as she did with it. But, but listen, what a lot of people don't realize. See, see a lot of people think, a lot, a lot of sinners think this. They don't know. They, you won't know unless you've been enlightened by the Word. A lot of sinners think that God hates them, that God is mad at them, that God wants nothing to do with them, and, that the, 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 and, and there are sinners that think if you're good, you're going to heaven. I had an aunt like that one time. You try to share the gospel with her. Well, she thought she lived a good enough life. I said, well, good didn't die on the cross. Jesus did. What people don't understand, see, a guy, there was a, Greg and I did a podcast about this, about who's in hell, who's in hell. Um, well, bad people are in hell. Well, you know, no, no, let me tell you something. The, you know what? I, that is so, that is so wrong. It's so wrong. People that don't accept Jesus Christ are in hell. And what people don't understand is when Adam fell, when he sinned, he sunk the whole human race. He put us all under the dominion of the devil. And Jesus came and got us out. Hallelujah. That's why we're called, and we'll read the scripture in a minute. That's why we're called new creatures. A new creation. The old creation, the first creation got sunk. So God sent Jesus and made a new creation. Hallelujah. And anybody gets in the new creation gets out of hell. Now, I, I don't have time to prove this to you today, but I can. And you've got to know, when I give you one scripture, I've got a bunch behind it. But everybody under the Old Testament that died went to hell. I wouldn't say that if I wasn't positive. They all did. Why? They were all under the dominion of the devil. But in hell, there were two compartments. A place of torment and one that Jesus called Abraham's bosom. Anybody remember that story? Remember that? The, 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 Jesus told the story. He said there was a rich man that died and a beggar died. The rich man died and went to hell. Be the beggar went into Abraham's bosom. The rich, the rich man in hell saw Abraham and Lazarus. Well, they weren't in heaven. They were down there. And he said, send Lazarus. He said, Father Abraham, he said, send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, well, son, remember in your lifetime, you, you had your good things and Lazarus, his evil things. Now he's comforted and you're tormented. He said, besides all that, there's a great golf fix. I can't get to you. But they're in the same place. Now, there's a lot of scriptures that bring that about. I give you one. Some of you have never read this scripture. But you go <clears throat> into the Old Testament, Samuel, Samuel, 1 Samuel 30, and Saul, he's, he's out of fellowship with God. King Saul, he's disobeyed God. God now he's, got, he's pushed it so far, God's not talking to him. He won't answer him by Urim or Thummim. That's the way they, con they consulted God in those days. He wouldn't speak to him but prophets. So he went to a, a medium. We call her the witch of Endor. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. All right. He went to her and, and he said, I want you to bring somebody up for me. She said, well, who do you want me to bring up? He said, Samuel. Samuel the prophet. Now, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't believe this woman could have done this. I mean, she might have brought evil spirits up. Don't misunderstand. But she couldn't have brought Samuel up unless the Lord let this happen. You hear what I'm saying? And so she brought Samuel up, and it freaked her out, and she, she, she lost it. Because she didn't expect this to happen. She, she consulted evil spirits. She didn't expect the real person to come up. She said, I see an old man. He's got a mantle on him. And Saul says, Samuel. And Samuel said, Saul, you're going to be with me tomorrow, you and your sons. And they died the next day in war. But my point was, Samuel wasn't in heaven. He was down there. But when Jesus died, when Jesus died, the Bible said, he led captivity captive. 
He went down there and got them out. Well, they were still legally, until Jesus shed his blood, they were still legally under the dominion of the devil. But God said, you're not tormenting them. These are my people. There's going to be a compartment down here of comfort. They're still under your authority. They're still under your dominion. But I'm, there's a day I'm going to get them out of there. And Jesus came. He got them out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see it in Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Here comes the King of glory. And he's bringing all these Old Testament saints. Now, that's just a couple of scriptures. I got all kinds that, that reveal that. My point in saying that was this. The problem with mankind is not their sin. Jesus Christ has paid the price for their sin. Yes, you will answer for sin if you don't get it pardoned. But it's been paid for. So it doesn't have to be the issue. Do you understand the way I'm saying that? It doesn't have to be the issue because it's been paid for. You don't have to pay for it. Amen. You don't have to do any kind of penance. You just got to do some receiving. You got to do repentance, not penance. Right? You know, a friend of mine was in a certain country, and, and it's you know, and he said, "I saw this guy crawling up the blood, up the street, up the stairs. His knees were all bloodied and everything. He was crawling to the church. He was doing some kind of penance for his sin. Hey, Jesus Christ already shed His blood for your sin. Your blood's not going to add anything to it. Amen. And that's our message. Is look, Jesus Christ came, and there's goodwill toward man now. Hallelujah. There's only two. Listen." There are two, two Old Testament saints that did go to heaven. One of them's name was Elijah. The other one's name is Enoch. And as far as we know, believe it or not, this may sound crazy, but they're still up there in their regular body. How could that be? Well, how'd Moses go without water for 40 days? He was in the presence of the Lord. There's life-sustaining force coming out of God. Hallelujah. That happens when you get in His presence today, praise God. There's life-sustaining force comes out. Hallelujah. And that's there, see. And so Moses, Enoch, and Elijah, you know, they're going to get their glorified body when the rest of us do. Amen. You know, oftentimes we say Methuselah's the oldest man 900, what was it, 969 years old, something like that? Uh, I think Kenny knew him. Uh, 969 years. <laughs> think about this. Think about this. Elijah's older than that. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, you know, some people, I know people that aren't real taught in the Word will hear this as much. That's the goofiest thing I ever heard. Well, read your Bible. It's a good book. It's got a lot of things in there you, don't, you and I don't know. Amen. Now, let's go. Let's go. We've got to hurry up here. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians. I want to read this. And then I want to say one more thing. 2 Corinthians. Just talking about we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're, we're not, you know, listen, we, we've got to, certainly, we stand against sin. We stand for righteousness in our country. We stand for all that. I'm not saying anything against that whatsoever. What I'm making a point is, is don't forget we also have a ministry of reconciliation. And that's to reconcile those people back to God. Those deceived people that Jesus said there would be great deception in the last days. Our job is to reconcile as many as we we can back to God before it's too late. Amen. We have a ministry of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Now, look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man or person be in Christ, he's a new creation. We already explained that. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many know? In this new creation, everything's new. Praise the Lord. Uh, we get a new start, right? Hallelujah. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, we have that ministry of reconciliation. Uh, to, to wit, <clears throat> that's the King James, or to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us <coughs> the word of reconciliation. Now let's stop there just for a moment before we verse 20 and 21. Because he says something here. He says, 
when Christ was on the earth, God was in him reconciling men back to himself. Now that Christ has left the earth, we now have the ministry of reconciliation. God is now in us. And we're to reconcile men back to God. I mean, I see what I'm saying. We took Christ's positions as the body of Christ. See, let's just say that I owed Pastor Jerry $100,000. But here's the bad news. He said, praise the Lord. But here's the bad news. The bad news is I don't have it to pay you. <laughs> Do I still owe you money for something? He's, he's, he said again. All right. But would you work with me? Let's just say I owe Pastor Chuck $100,000. Let's say I owe him $100,000. And you know, you know, if you owe somebody $100,000, I mean, that's not a good feeling, a person, you know. And so, you know, maybe Pastor Chuck is nice about it, but then I begin to think, you know, hey, he didn't shake my hand today after service. He always tells me, good message, Pastor. Today just walked on by. He's, he's ticked over that $100,000. So I get so upset Rod about that because there's $100,000 between us that I, I, I move 1,000 miles away because I don't want to see him any longer. I don't want to run into him anymore. He's going to be at church. He comes to church often. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to run into him every time I'm at church. I, I, want, I, I don't want to be near him because I think he's got something against me. All right, let's bring Pastor Jerry back into this equation. So let's just say Pastor Jerry goes to Pastor Chuck and says, I know Pastor Mark owes you $100,000. He can't pay it. I'm going to pay it for him. How many know the debt's been paid? The only problem is if somebody doesn't come and tell me, I'm going to still stay 1,000 miles away. Somebody has to run and tell me the debt's been paid. That's exactly what Paul's talking about. The debt's been paid. Go tell them it's been paid. That God said, not imputing their trespasses unto them. What does that mean? The word imputing means not, he's not taking account. Listen to this. I like this. To take an inventory. God's just not up there. He's got all, it all inventory. You did this and this and this. No, he's ready to let go of it. The only problem is if you don't receive the reconciliation, you won't be reconciled. If you don't receive the payment, you have to pay for it. It has to be paid for. God is simply saying, Jesus paid for it. Tell the world Jesus paid for it. Receive that payment. Don't pay it yourself. Because the payment's death. The wages of sin is death. It's eternal damnation. Lost forever. That's the payment you'll have to pay. Oh, hell's still real. This verse doesn't mean like some people preach, just totally destroy the Bible and destroy the Scripture, say everybody's forgiven, don't worry about it. You're all going to heaven. No. If that's true, why would we even need any kind of reconciliation ministry? We need the ministry because they have to accept it. They have to be told. So our message to the world isn't you dirty, lousy, deceived sinners, you trash. Our, our message is God's paid for it. Be reconciled to God. You're going to have more fun serving Him than you are doing that. It's more fun serving God than just walking around the street without your clothes on. Isn't that right? Listen. <laughs> a minister said he had a, a lady in his meeting. I was telling Phil this last night. <laughs> she said he's, he said she was sitting on the front row, you know, and he said she was just so excited while I was preaching. He said, so it was a morning service. He had a morning service. He was going to have an evening service that night, same spot. He said, so after the service over, he said, I, I just want to talk to her. See, you know, she's on fire. And he said, I found out she just got saved about a week ago. And she's so, so in love with the Word, so in love with the Lord. He said, I thought, I thought I'm going to have her testify tonight. He said, so I, I, I you know, service going tonight. Service said I had to come up and testify. He said, she got up there and she said, I'm going to tell you, I am so, it is so blankety blank, blankety blank, fun serving God. This is more fun than sex and dope. I, 
he is the, he is the most blankety-blank, greatest things ever blankety-blank happened in my blankety-blank life. He said, go, she knows the crowd was kind of like, oh. He said, she looked at me and said, am I saying something wrong? He said, no, you're doing fine. <laughs> she doesn't know any better yet. So, you know, she just kept on. He said, <laughs> he said, a year later, I went back to the same place, and he said, there's that woman. She came up to me and said, I am so sorry. <laughs> I didn't know Christians didn't talk that way. I thought everybody did. <laughs> How many know people? We catch the fish. Let God clean them. They get around you, they get cleaned. One minister said, he said, I pastored this church, and he said, this small church, you know, in this rural community. He said, but not far away was a nudist colony. And he said, uh, one of those women came over to his church. Now she put some clothes on. But she came over, she was hungry, didn't have any food. He said, so we fed her. They actually said she was rummaging in the... Uh, Oh, help me. Trash cans that contain her outside looking for something to eat. So we fed her, you know, and prayed with her. Led her to the Lord. He said she came to church. She didn't have any clothes but a pair of shorts and a halter top. He said she came into church and all the women were, <gasps> He said she did that for two weeks. He said, but, but how many know, if you, if you let God clean them up yeah. instead of running them off, he said after two weeks, she noticed, she, well, somewhere along the line, she noticed that the rest of the women don't dress this way. He said, so my wife, he said, my wife was having a women's meeting. She came to women's meeting, she said, and she said, can I ask for prayer? Well, yeah. Would you pray that God would get me some dresses? She said, I need some dresses like all you other women. He said before the day was older, she had 15. They went all the way down to the floor. But how I many know that woman just does not know? I got, she didn't know anything. I, I went to pray for a friend of mine. You know, he's in heaven now. But I went to pray for him, lead him to the Lord. And when I went there, he's working on his TV. I've told you a story. He's just cussing like a sailor. Every his four letter word, just cussing like a sailor. And I said, I said, Brad, you need to get saved. He said, I did. I thought, thou didst not. <laughs> saved people don't talk that way. Well, how I many know that's normally the case, right? But he's just saved, you know. And so, you know, he, uh, he, had, he was getting ready to move to another city, and he wanted to know, you know, if I knew a pastor in there. Well, I knew one pastor. I said, go to his church because he's a good, good, good preacher, good faith preacher. He went there. The first service, this pastor talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He looked at somebody he was sitting by and said, is that something I should have? And they said, yeah, you should have that. He went over and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's amazing the radical transformation that happened to him. All of a sudden, he began to realize. I did. See, I almost that day, I almost talked to him about his mouth. And I, some way or another, I had a good enough sense to hear the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said, just stay out of it. Just stay out of it. Now, if he was a, a, a five-year-old Christian, yeah, maybe I should say something. But he's a babe in the Lord. It's, it's time to let the Lord clean him up. Amen. And he, 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 the Lord did. He was still going. Listen now. He was a friend of mine. We were drug users. We did drugs together. We partied together. He, was, he gave his life to Jesus watching somebody on TV, and he's going to the parties and telling everybody how great it is to be saved. And he's smoking pot and doing snorting mescaline. He didn't know any better. Now, see, I knew better when I got saved because my mom was a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, Word of Faith woman that told me everything I did was wrong. Amen. <laughs> now listen, are you all all right? I'm going a little long today, but are you all right? Listen now. Listen to this now. Let's finish it off. Verse 20. And now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's our message to the world. Hey, be reconciled to God, man. Some will accept, some won't. For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that wonderful? You know, he did that for you, and you were, you were lost. Go to Acts 1. We're closing. Uh, a, a minister said this, and, and it was so good. He said this. Some of you may have heard this minister say this. He's a well-known minister. <clears throat> well, kind of well-known. He said this. He said, you know what? 
He said, I've never drank any alcohol in all of my life. I've never committed adultery. I've never smoked one cigarette in my life. I've never done one drug in my life. He said, there's not been one word of profanity ever come out of my mouth. Not one. That's pretty good, isn't it? He said, but who wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell? Doesn't make any difference. If you're under the dominion of the devil, you're under the dominion of the devil. See, to say that's what's holding people from heaven, that would be to say if we took a sinner off the street, brought him in here, sit him down on the front row and said, this is the way a Christian's supposed to act. This is what a Christian's supposed to do. This is what a Christian's supposed to say. And he did all that. And then we say, now you're going to heaven. You know, we lied to him. If he's still under the dominion of the devil, if he hasn't received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he's under the dominion of the devil. He's going to hell. I don't care how clean that... See, God, God, listen, God's, God's answer for your old man is not to reform him. It's to kill him. To crucify him. And you'd be a new self. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, gospel's good news, isn't it? Right? You dirty sinner, you're going to hell. Well, that's true, but that's not good news. The good news is somebody paid the price for it. Hallelujah. Now, I want to read this one scripture, and we won't preach long on this, and, and we've got some other things we need to do. But look, at, look with me at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. The Bible says, But you shall receive power. That word power is Dynamis, miracle working power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and on the uttermost part of the earth. So God gave us the Holy Spirit, baptized us in the Holy Spirit, so we'd have something called power to be a witness. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, I want to tell you, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I didn't feel any power. Well, it didn't say, and you shall feel power. After that, the Holy Ghost is, come on. I mean, sometimes you do, right? But it didn't say you'd feel power. It said you'd receive it. You'd receive it. Amen. You know, if there was an outlet on the wall, you know, you go put your hand to it. You don't feel any power. I mean, there's power in there. You know, extension cord running across the floor, plugged in. Got a fan plugged in over here. Cords running across there, plugged into the wall. You pick up that cord. Well, I don't feel any power. Well, they're still there. Right? You know, when I was four years old, I was laying over the bed in mom and dad's bedroom. And it was, you know, it, it was close to the wall. And I had, I had found two copper wires I was playing with that dad had been using for something. Just bare copper wires. I laid over the wall. And I had them out near the outlet. Mom walked in there. And she said, don't you dare stick those in that outlet. Well, that's, that's, you might as well have said stick them in there, son. See what happens. Because now, now I'm curious. Because if mom doesn't want me to do it, then I probably should try it. She walked out of that room and I stuck them in that uh, outlet. I felt some power. Did you cry? Are you kidding me? Did I cry? No, I didn't cry. I didn't say a thing until I got old enough for mom not to spank me. If I'd been crying, she said, what'd you do? I said, I stuck them hours out. I'd had something else to cry about. She lit me up. I already was lit up. See, you may not even want to feel power. You just wonder what it does. But see, here's, here's the problem why people say, I don't, have, I don't think I have any power. You're, you don't have any power because you're not doing with the power what God said do with the power. He said, take the power and be a witness. Didn't he? He didn't say, take the power and pray for all your, your Christian friends. They're supposed to have power too. He said, take the power, go to Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. What are you supposed to do with that power? You're supposed to pray for unsaved people. God, heal unsaved people. Well, he'll save unsaved people. <laughs> he'll save you unsaved. Amen. 
I mean, no Pentecost, we used to have some things. You know, people try to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, take that lipstick off and maybe God will baptize you. You know? Quit smoking. Maybe God will baptize you. God will baptize you because you ask. Right? I'm not condoning smoking. I'm just simply saying, we have these weird ideas, you know. Right? It's like one minister said, you know, he said, I, I, was, having a, I was having a meeting and, you know, I wasn't doing any advertising and all. And he, he said, I'm just dependent on my, my, my preaching to draw the people to come in and no advertising or anything, you know. And he said, he went, nobody was coming and he went to the Lord about it. And, and the Lord said, he, he said, he said, Lord, I thought that if I'd preach the word really good, you'd speak to people and have them come. And he said, he said, if, the, if these people were spiritual enough to hear me say anything, they wouldn't need to come to your meeting. They wouldn't need your preaching. But he said, you've got you to gotta hit them with something natural. So they know. Well, see, that's the thing it is with the power. You may think, I don't think i got power. Have you tried it? Have you tried doing what Jesus said? And taken to Samaria, Jerusalem, the uttermost part of the world. And you run into people that aren't saved. And they say, I got something wrong with me. And pray for them. You'd be surprised how many God, maybe you would, I'm going to say surprised, but it'd be amazing how many God would heal. <sighs> I thought they need to be saved to get healed. No. Jesus, did you know most people Jesus prayed for weren't saved? Remember what he said? Remember what he said? Well, I don't know what he said. He said, those that are whole don't need a physician. Those that are sick. That's one of the things the Pharisees had a problem with him, was he went and ministered to the, to the sinners and the, the tax collectors. And they wouldn't have anything to do with him. And just, Jesus said, they're the ones that need it. Amen. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Not the ministry of condemnation. Amen. But reconciliation. What's our message? Hey, the price has been paid for your sin. Sorry, God's not mad at you. He wants you to come back to Him. Now, you know, in the end, if you reject His free pardon, well, then you'll have to pay for it, and wrath will be on you, but it's because that's what you chose. But God wants you to come to Him. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.